I'm Terry Reed with 73 Farms in Carthage, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, it is great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we are seeing a lot of rain scattered around Texas over the last week or so, but those rains may be too little too late for the Texas wheat crop. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's not going to be a great year for winter wheat in the Texas High Plains, but it's also not a total loss. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Farmers and ranchers across Texas and the nation are awaiting a U.S. Supreme Court decision on the waters of the U.S. rule, following district court, congressional, and presidential actions on the controversial rule. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have more in my report on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan reporting in East Texas. Now, we had some weather changes in the last few weeks that have made some differences in some of our production. But then, then we see other aspects of agriculture are changing greatly here in East Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Welcome rains are falling across much of Texas this week, bringing relief to drought-parched soils. But when it comes to the wheat crop, the rain is just too late to make much of an impact. Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson says that's not just the case here in Texas. It affects other wheat states as well. Maybe if we'd have got that right two or three weeks earlier, it would have had a very significant impact on our crop yields. The problem was we had that rain fall on some really, really bad wheat. And outside of the fact that we're going to harvest better quality grain because that grain's going to go ahead and fill now, uh, the bushels I don't really think are going to be there from probably the southern two-thirds of Kansas uh, through Oklahoma. So it could impact the quality of the crop, but not the yields. Uh, Oklahoma came out with an estimate of about 50 million bushels, which is about half of what a good crop year would be. Uh, Texas isn't going to be any better, I don't think. Uh, Kansas, you know, they're they're thinking maybe they'll be off 100 million bushels from normal. So maybe 200 million versus 300 million. Fenderson says the reality of this year's crop will come into focus over the next couple of weeks. USDA is set to release its first survey-based estimate of this year's crop on Friday. Then the Kansas Wheat Tour will kick off in about 10 days. 
USDA's weekly crop ratings are out for this week, and the wheat crop just seems to get a little bit worse each week. That is the case this time around, with 56% of the Texas wheat crop now rated poor to very poor. Only 24% is rated fair, and 20% rated good to excellent. 77% of the wheat crop has now headed. Exports are a big part of why beef and cattle prices are high right now. But Kent Bacchus, Executive Director of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says expanding those export markets doesn't seem to be a priority for the current administration in Washington. Over the last uh, several years, we've seen a very aggressive approach from the U.S. government as far as negotiating new market access for our exports. And because of that, we've been able to benefit from a lot of that strong foreign demand for our products. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the Biden administration has decided to take a big step back and, and in many ways um, take a different approach altogether. Marcus says there are a lot of opportunities out there in places like the United Kingdom and the Pacific Rim. But until we're fully engaged... It's going to be hard to deliver more gains for U.S. cattle producers. It's not going to be a great year for winter wheat on the Texas High Plains. But James Hunt tells us it won't be a total loss either. As we head toward mid-May, we're right about two or three weeks away from the time when wheat harvest really gets underway in our area. It's been a tough season this go-round. We all know about the toll drought has taken on our wheat, but Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says there have been a lot of other issues. We have dealt with extreme winds. We've had very high spring temperatures that really drive the crop water demand and exacerbate drought conditions. We've also had heavy Russian wheat aphid pressure this year. We've also had wheat streak mosaic virus in areas. We've had areas where we had early infestation of wheat mites. And so just lots of pressures that have negatively impacted this wheat crop. But even though it won't be a banner year, Dr. Bell says there are some fields out there that appear headed toward good outcomes. East of Amarillo, we actually have some nice pockets of dryland wheat depending on planting date. And that's what's been so critical about this year's dryland wheat crop is where is the field located and was the field drilled around some timely fall moisture and was there supplemental moisture throughout the winter? Speaking of moisture, even though this wheat season has largely been about drought conditions, we have had some rains the past two or three weeks. However, Dr. Bell says this recent moisture has come too late to do very much. Our wheat crop is already headed. We've already set the yield potential with the number of seeds per head. So this late rain is really just helping fill that grain. We're talking about moisture that's helping with seed size at this point, if it is going to be of benefit. Once again, that was Dr. Jordan Bell of AgriLife. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers and ranchers across the nation are waiting on a Supreme Court decision on the waters of the U.S. rule. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Roger Cryon. He is chief economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation. And uh, Roger, uh, waters of the U.S. rule, of course, uh, has been uh, on the minds of farmers and ranchers for quite some time. And there was action taken in the Congress and at the White House. Recap what took place recently and how that's going to impact America's farmers and ranchers. I think there's been action in a lot of places. We've had two court cases that have invalidated the rule for the time being. We've had the Congress voting that they opposed the, the, the rule that the administration put out on the waters of the U.S. 
There's been a lot of feedback from agriculture all over the country that this is not a good rule. When the president had the opportunity to let a congressional opposition to this thing stand, bipartisan congressional opposition stand, he vetoed that so that his rule would go forward. We were, were very disappointed. The, the rule, as they've put it out, is very complicated. It's very hard for a farmer to understand whether he's regulated or not. It's an overreach by EPA, and, and we're very disappointed that he didn't let that congressional opposition stand. So if everything stands as it is uh, moving forward, how will uh, the WOTUS uh, rule impact farmers and ranchers in the near future? In 26 states, it won't affect them because uh, the two district courts have put the whole thing on hold until the Supreme Court decides on the uh, Waters of the U.S. case. Uh, one of the reasons it was such a bad idea for the EPA to move forward with this rule was because there's a, there's a case before the Supreme Court. We're waiting. The Supreme Court will issue a decision on whether or not the principles behind this rule are even legal. That is Roger Cryon. He is chief economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Weather has been a top story across Texas over the last couple of weeks. James Duncan says East Texas is seeing its share of weather changes. In East Texas, the last couple of weeks, we've seen, like everybody else, differences in the weather. Now, this has caused some problems, and then it's caused some benefits because we were getting dry in some of our produce areas as far as the plants were concerned. Folks at mow grass didn't care too much about it, except in the hay meadows. Our hay meadows are growing great. Everything looks really good. Of course, price of fertilizer put a damper on a lot of that in the early part of the season, but we're just now getting started, really, with some few cuttings around, and uh, the production is is really going to be good, high quality this year. Over the last couple of years, I believe, will be taking place. Livestock calves are coming on in. On the spring calving method, we've just about wrapped that up. Need to get all those calves born, certainly before the 1st of July. As we look at the market, that looks really, really strong. Now, one of the things that is sort of an oddity in East Texas in the cattle business is not the cattle. It's using pasture land that we've grazed for years for the location of solar panels. This industry is growing big, and it is profitable for a man on the farm to take a look at it. Not something all of us understand exactly, but there will be an expansion of that industry here in East Texas in the next few years. Watermelon plants wrapped up for those that want to try to get in the early melons. We still got a few to go for later harvest in the late part of the season. Agriculture looks good right now. We are optimistic about this year, and if the weather holds like it's been doing, we'll be moisture plenty and a nice, pleasant year coming for us. Anyway, that's what we're looking for. Hope that it comes out that way. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. A field study on invasive doves in Texas has yielded some interesting results. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And obesity in horses can lead to a lot of problems. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. 
There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Obesity in horses can lead to problems like equine metabolic syndrome and laminitis. Dr. Bob Judd says it can also have other negative effects. Obesity can affect a horse's performance as the horse has to carry more weight and the excessive load may contribute to joint disease. Dr. Shannon Pratt-Phillips from North Carolina State performed a study in which she reviewed the effects of equine obesity on performance horses. It is believed obesity is due to lower workloads and increased access to high-quality feeds, and many horses are likely being fed at a higher plane of nutrition than needed. The best method to determine if your horse is overweight is to assign your horse a body condition score, or BCS. This scale is from 1 to 9, with 1 extremely thin and 9 extremely obese. Most normal horses are in the 5 to 6 category, and there are multiple websites that have descriptions on this scale and describe each category individually, so you can determine the BCS of your horse. Also, when your equine veterinarian examines your horse for vaccines twice a year, it is a good idea to ask them to grade your horse on the BCS scale. This is something we routinely do every visit on all animals at our clinic so we can gauge weight gain or loss year to year. Since it is difficult to have a scale handy to weigh horses, the BCS scale is the best option for many large animals. Obesity can also cause excess fatty tissue around the internal organs and can lead to decreased organ function and fertility, especially in mares. Overweight horses also have a higher body temperature during work, and their risk of heat stress increases as fat acts as an insulator, and it is more difficult to dissipate heat. Especially as horses age, the extra weight increases the risk of injury on the legs of performance horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A field study on invasive doves in Texas has shown some interesting results. Jessica Domel takes a look at those results in today's Wildlife Report. In the mid-1990s, an invasive dove species that we now call the Eurasian collar dove made its way to Texas. The dove's population has grown considerably over the years, and they can now be found in more than 100 counties in the state. To learn more about their behavior and whether or not they impact native dove populations, the Texas Dove Hunters Association launched the Banded Bird Challenge a few years ago. The challenge is a research program to conduct a field study on the invasive doves. Each year, the association traps and bans 800 Eurasian collar doves in the state and releases them. As dove hunters harvest those doves and call in the numbers on the orange bands on their legs, the association logs some data from the hunters, and the hunters have a chance at winning one of several prizes. Now that the field study has been underway for several years now, the information gathered by the association has been turned over to biologists to be studied. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the Texas Dove Hunters Association, joins us with some preliminary insight. The one thing that is really standing out to us is that these birds are having more of a homing behavior than they are a migratory behavior. We deliberately trap in one 
general area of the state. And we do so every year and we do so on purpose. And then we take the birds and we distribute them in different areas, various areas all over the state. What we are finding is that these birds, regardless of where they were released, are headed back to where they were trapped. We'll have more on this on our next show. In the meantime, you can enter the 2023 Band of Bird Challenge on the Texas Deaf Hunters Association's website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. It's time to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After trading higher for much of the day on Tuesday, the cattle complex traded lower on Wednesday as traders searched for support and as corn traded higher. June live cattle down 92 cents to 163 even. August live cattle down 37 cents to 161.17. October live cattle down 32 cents Wednesday to 165 even. May feeder cattle down 55 cents to 205.37. August feeder cattle down 97 cents to 225.15. September feeder cattle down $1.27 to 228.37. Box beef was higher Wednesday. Choice up 58 cents to 307.96. Select up $1.17 to $286.06. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Road sold cattle in Three Rivers on Monday. Riley, how did it go? It was uh, fully steady, a little higher in spots. Uh, Packer cows and bulls sold fully steady. High yielding cows, ninety-four to dollar four. Breakers, ninety-two to ninety-eight. Canners, fifty-six to seventy-eight. Uh, high yielding Packer bulls, one ten to one sixteen. Low to medium yielding bulls, ninety-four to dollar ten. We did have some uh, pretty decent pairs here today. Uh, some good little young beefmaster pairs, uh, but our pairs brought from nine seventy-five up to eighteen and a quarter. Kind of same story on the bread cows, uh, from eight seventy-five to fourteen seventy-five. Calf market still uh, lots of demand there, especially on the grazing calves. Uh, two to three weight choice steers, two thirty-eight to two sixty-eight. Heifer mates two sixteen to two thirty-eight. Uh, uh, three to four weight choice steers, two thirty-six to two seventy-two. Heifer mates two twelve to two thirty. Four to five weight choice steers, two thirty-two to two sixty-six. Their heifer mates two ten to two thirty-two. Five to six weight choice steers, two twenty to two forty-eight. And heifer mates one ninety-eight to two twenty. Six to seven weight choice steers, two dollars to two fourteen. Heifer mates one eighty to one ninety-six. The seven to eight weight cattle your choice steers, one eighty-eight to two hundred six. Heifer mates one seventy to one eighty-eight. So real pleased with it. Uh, ended up with nine hundred and twenty-two head today, so a little more volume than last week and. Got some good rains around the area, so everything is uh, headed in the right direction. Good. We'll tell everybody uh, the direction to get to you next week then. <laughs> Come see us here at Three Rivers. Uh, 
next Monday. Um, we'll be open all week long to receive cattle. The telephone number there at the office, 361-786-2553. Call me anytime on the cell phone, 361-813-6650, or go to the webpage, liveoaklivestock.com. Riley, thank you a bunch. We'll talk to you before the next sale. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to me on Texas Ag Today. All right. Thank you, Larry. Lean hogs were mixed on Wednesday. May lean hogs up 30 cents to 76.57. June lean hogs down 22 cents to 84.17. Block cheese rose 5.75 cents Wednesday to 41.67. Barrel cheese rose 2 cents to $1.53. Butter was unchanged at $2.39. May Class 3 milk up a nickel to 16.45 a hundred weight. June Class 3 milk up 29 cents to 17.17 a hundred weight. After falling lower Tuesday, pressured by poor economic news from China and the potential for rain in several U.S. cotton growing areas, we saw cotton fall again on Wednesday. July cotton down 23 points to 80.76. October cotton down 35 points to 81.24. December cotton down 25 points to 80.76. DTN analysts say the market had become slightly oversold and some traders wanted to square up before the USDA releases its export sales report on Thursday. Corn rose Wednesday on softening inflation numbers. According to Reuters, the U.S. annual U.S. annual inflation has slowed to below 5%. That boosted corn on Wednesday. May corn up three and a quarter to 6.45 and a half. July corn up nine and a quarter to 5.94. September corn up three and three quarters to 5.22 and three quarters. May hard red wheat down one to 9.05 and a half. July hard red wheat down one to 8.55 and a quarter. June natural gas fell seven cents Wednesday to two nineteen. July natural gas down eight cents to two thirty four. June crude oil down a dollar nineteen to seventy two fifty two a barrel. July crude oil down a dollar thirteen to seventy two forty nine a barrel. The Dow fell one hundred and thirty five points to thirty three thousand four hundred and twenty five. The S&P 500 rose 9 points to 4,128, and the NASDAQ rose 99 points to 12,278. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmol, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.